Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to episode number 13 with Larry Heller. Today, Larry's going to ask you a question. Does your advisor do this? Does your advisor use strategies to optimize after a tax return? So, Larry, let's talk a little bit about where this idea for this podcast came from. Well, you know, one of the things that we add value to clients is really not what they make, but what they keep. And if you don't, account for taxes, the net that a client's going to have in their portfolio is going to be less. Mm -hmm. So the more that you can save on taxes, the more money that you're going to earn and compound and have to spend. So we've kind of wanted to show a lot of different ideas and ways because what we found when prospects come in the door that nobody's showed them a lot of these strategies. And you, you have five strategies listed here today. Let's let's talk about number one. Well, number one is, is really not is not really a strategy, but it's kind of, well, it, it is actually. It's where do you invest your money? You know, first, if you're saving, do you save in a taxable account? Uh, do you save in a tax deferred account where you may get a tax savings now and money will grow tax deferred, but then you have to pay taxes when you take it out. Or do you save in a tax free account such as a Roth account? So the first thing is is really determining, you know, when, what is the time horizon for some of these investments? And therefore, where should you be placing your placing your money? If you're going to be investing for the near term, such as a down payment for a house, that's probably better in a taxable account. If you're investing for the long term for, let's say, retirement, that should be in either a tax deferred or a tax free account to take advantage of the pre-tax or after-tax numbers compounding for you. So determine first determining which vehicle or which type of vehicle you should invest in and what is best for you is the first strategy. And then within these, there's different pros and cons. So that the taxable account, anything that is income, you're going to pay ordinary taxes on it. And anything that is capital gains, you're going to pay taxes on it as well. But there is no penalties if you need to take the money out before you're 59 and a half. Versus the tax deferred or the tax free lets you accumulate money over the long term without paying taxes each year. But there are some caveats such as a penalty before 59 and a half. So determining which one and how you do that is important. And then let's say you are saving money for longer term. Do you save in a uh, a qualified account such as a IRA or a 401k, or do you save in a Roth? And then how much do you put into these accounts? So if you possibly can, maximizing what you can put away for your 401k would be great. And this year it's $24,000 if you're over 50, 18000 if you're under 50. And then should you do a Roth or a traditional 401k? 
A lot of people just decide to take the tax deduction now and do the traditional 401k plan. Well, that may not be the best when you're in a much higher tax bracket later on. So really the rule of thumb to decide whether you should do a Roth or a traditional, if you think you're going to be in a higher tax bracket later on and you're in a lower tax bracket now, you should do a Roth. If you're in a higher tax bracket now and you think when you retire you'll be in a lower tax bracket, you should do a traditional. So that's kind of the the standard on how you're looking at, at doing this. I just had a conversation with my son who's working for the first time and going to contribute. And I was explaining to him that a Roth is going to be much better for him and, and the reasons why. So that's kind of strategy number one in determining what type of investment vehicles you should use. And Larry, that's a very pressing question. And, and I'm sure that your listeners have heard other people ask that question a lot is, you know, do I defer my taxes for later? Will I actually be in a lower tax bracket when I retire or will I be in a higher tax bracket? So I'm glad that you did some clarification there. But let's also talk about number two here, which is some tax efficient ways to, to invest now. Yeah. So, again, there are obviously numerous ways to invest. and We predominantly use mutual funds. So within mutual funds, there are tax ramifications. So if you invest in a mutual fund, and even though you're not selling the mutual fund, within the mutual fund, the manager could be buying and selling a stock or a bond or whatever type of mutual fund that is. And at the end of the year, if they're incurring capital gains by doing that, guess what? That gets passed on to you. So a lot of active managers who are consistently buying and selling, and even if they're making money, they could have a high amount of capital gains at the end of the year. So right now, that's kind of where a lot of this is distributed in December. And you want to kind of look at that fund. And if you're planning on investing more money now, you don't want to invest the day before they issue those capital gains because guess what? Even though you are only in the fund for a few days, you will have to pay taxes on the capital gains like you owned it for the whole year. So Ouch. it's real important this time of year when you go, if you're investing in a fund that's in a taxable account that you look at the dividend dis, the the cap gain distribution date to determine what that what that is. And obviously investing in funds that have lower turnovers will mean there will be lower capital gains and therefore lower taxes to you. So, you know, being in a tax efficient fund from a capital gain distribution is one idea. The other one, a little bit more technical. So when you go to pay taxes, there are, if the funds are paying a dividend, so the stocks have a dividend inside there, there's two ways of looking at these dividends, whether they're qualified dividends or not qualified dividends. And if they're qualified dividends, you are actually going to be able to pay lower taxes because it's based upon your tax brackets. So what is a qualified dividend? Well, a qualified dividend means that at least 61 days out of the 121 day pay period that begins 60 days before the securities 
ex-dividend dates, if you withhold it at least 61 days, then it's going to be a qualified dividend. So there are mutual funds out there that are very conscious about this and making sure that most of their stocks are held for at least these 61 days during that time frame and therefore can pass through qualified dividends, which be taxed at a lower rate than non-qualified dividends, which could be taxed at your ordinary rate. And if you're in the top tax bracket, that could be 40%. Wow. Goodness gracious. Okay. Man, it's so good to have somebody like you in your, your client's corners to understand the different ramifications and parameters on each of these different tax-efficient ways. Now, the next one here, which is number three, you have labeled as high-cost tax method. What do you mean by that? So when you the first time you start to the first time you start to invest, you elect the type of tax method. Um, one of them is a um, high cost, which I'll explain. Most people use what's called an average cost method. So let's say you are buying mutual fund XYZ, and you 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 purchase mutual fund XYZ for a thousand dollars, and then two years later. You then purchase an, a, another um, share of um, XYZ, and it, this cost is $2,000. So the cost of the first one was 1000 The cost of the next one was $2,000. And each time, you got the same amount of shares. So you're, if you're using the average cost method, your average basis would be $1,500. So if you then decided to sell some of the funds later on, your gain would be determined by the average cost method or $1,500. On a high cost tax method, it's based upon the lot that you actually bought. So if the first lot you bought was $1,000 and the second lot you bought was $2,000, when you go to sell this, your part of the fund, you can select the last lot, which was $2,000 and a higher cost method. And therefore, you may be selling now at a much less gain. You get to pick and choose which lots you want to, want to do. And most people don't do that. Most people, they just select the average cost method and it, it keeps it, you know, keeps adding up. And we use a sophisticated computer program to select the highest cost method. So over the years, you can go back in and select the shares that will provide you with the highest cost basis and therefore the lowest capital gains. Now, number four here, this time of year seems to be something a lot of financial services professionals are reaching out to their clients to talk about, which is tax loss harvesting. How does that work? Yeah, I mean, and it shouldn't really just be done at the end of the year, but it seems like that's that's what's the way it's. Done. So I'll actually give a, give a client you know client example here, so which could explain it a little bit easier. So in 2016, January of 2016, um, we brought a new client client aboard, and we bought tax. Obviously, these are all taxable accounts, and we created a portfolio in the beginning of January. Well, that month of January, the stock market went way down. So we looked at the client's accounts and saw that there was a couple hundred thousand dollars of unrealized gains and losses. So unrealized means you wouldn't get any benefits by on your taxes. 
because you actually have to sell something to benefit from them. So what we did was we sold all those funds and we bought a similar fund at the exact same time. So because there's, um, you can't, there's called a wash sale. You can't buy and sell the same exact fund at the same time. You have to wait 30 days. So we bought a similar fund just in case the stock market would rebound. And then we waited 30 days and then repurchased the original fund. So we avoided the wash sale. So what did we do? At the end of now 60 days, the client has the same exact holdings in their portfolio. What happened in the rest of 2016? Well, the market took off from there. So at the end of the year, client had double-digit returns on their portfolio, but we were able to turn unrealized gains into realized gains. For this particular client, it was a couple hundred thousand dollars. So he was able to actually to get the same rate of return if we did nothing, but we you turn realized gains, unrealized gains into realized gains. And that 300,000 even though he could not use it that year because you could only use losses to offset gains, you are able to carry forward. You can use up to 3,000 losses, but you can carry forward them. So since 16, he hasn't paid any taxes when any of the funds have been sold uh, and shown capital gains because we've had losses to offset them. And that's huge tax savings to this client. Wow. So this time of year, a lot of advisors are saying, well, if you have a you know a loss in a particular stock, sell it so you can get the capital loss to offset any capital capital gains. But you should be looking at this on an ongoing basis. Obviously, nobody wants losses in their portfolio, mm-hmm. but things do go down, especially if you're starting with a new client. And that's where you can definitely add a lot of value. So this episode has been asking the question if your advisor does this, and you did a great job right there of saying that there are a lot of advisors who don't look at tax loss harvesting over an entire calendar year, or in this situation, multiple year benefits. And so we're on the last one of these number fives. The first one was tax diversification. Second one was tax efficient mutual funds. Third one was high cost tax method. Uh, and the, the one that you just talked about was tax loss harvesting. And these are strategies to optimize after a tax return. What is the final strategy that your advisor should be doing for you when it comes to taxes? Okay. This is kind of my favorite one to kind of look at, but this only comes into play when you're retired or about to retire. So anybody that is usually somewhere between 60 and 70, this is where this strategy comes into play. So we all know, as we were talking about before, that if you invest in a tax-deferred account, you get the buildup of tax-free investing for years. But the government wants the required minimum distribution at age 70. And since most people, the bulk of their savings is in a 401k or a qualified account, and a lot of them are also deferring their Social Security age 70, that the tax brackets are not really going down at age 70. Their tax bracket could be very high at age 70 and sometimes in the highest bracket out there. But if they retire, let's say it's 65 and they're no longer working, from 65 to 70, they could be in a very low tax bracket or in some cases in no tax bracket. So you want to look at those five years and say, huh, 
I don't want to wait until 70 to pull money out of my qualified accounts. I want to fill up my tax buckets in the years 65 through 69. Some of those buckets could either be 0% taxes or 15% taxes. So you want to fill up the buckets in lower taxes for those five years, knowing that at age 70, you're going to be in a higher bracket. So even if you're in a 24% bracket in your late 60s, but you're going to be in a 40% bracket in your 70s, you should fill that up, which goes against most accountants telling you to defer taxes, defer taxes, defer taxes. Here's where you want to pay some taxes earlier because they'll be in a much lower rate. And part of this is would be great if you need to obviously live on the money and so you could use the money. If you don't need to live on the money, now you can use that strategy and convert a qualified money in a low tax bracket into a Roth. And these Roths could then grow tax-free, not only for you, but a lot of times, if you're taking a small piece and converting to a Roth, you're going to be giving that to either a spouse or sometimes a child or some strategies, a grandchild. And now they get to defer that over their lifetimes. They have to take out a minimum amount. But just think about the, the tax deferral over possibly 50 and 60 years to a grandchild. Yes, you'll pay a little taxes now but you can provide them with a tax-free income stream for decades. So we love looking at these Roth conversions and being able to defer taxes for generations. Well, that's amazing, especially looking at the multi-generational tax and ramifications and benefits to making it so that you're planning that far ahead, Larry. I really do think that that separates you from a lot of other advisors out there because I don't think they take that long view. Has that been your experience? Yeah, it's interesting. So I, I met with an accountant this morning and we just showed him all these strategies that we did. And the accountants, um, you know, an older accountant, he said he's met with numerous advisors over his lifetime and nobody has ever put that together. I mean, being an ex-CPA and a wealth manager, this is something that's on our radar all the time. Now, you don't want to let taxes drive your investment decisions, but you do want to make sure where you can minimize the taxes. And that's the value that you're adding to clients. And this accountant was extremely impressed and said, these are great strategies to implement. Well, Larry, thank you very much for your thought leadership today. I hope you have a great day. You too. Thank you, Matt. And this was episode number 13, Does Your Advisor Do This? The Different Strategies to Optimize After a Tax Return. And if you have not subscribed to the podcast, please click the subscribe now button below. That way that every time Larry comes out with a new podcast, it will show up directly on your listening device. And please feel free to share this with your friends and family. This is great information from a great guy with good opportunities to be able to help a lot of people. So thank you very much and have a wonderful day.